Everything and anything, top to bottom. Thoughts and theories by yours truly, me, Drew. City life to country boy, a golden gal pal to sports enthusiast, spa nights to camping, wine to beer. Yes, it's all rolled up into one. Funny takes on the everyday life as observed and experienced by me. Take a listen. This is The Drew Han Show. It's been a big week. Michael Phelps in his fifth Olympics and medaled in all his events. Also, the three-time Olympic champs of doubles tennis, Serena and Venus, bombed out of the Olympics in doubles and in their singles matches. American women's gymnastic won gold again. Fiji got its first medal ever in Olympic history in rugby. Gold at that, but the biggest accomplishment was my cooking ability. I attempt to cook a Brazilian dish, going for gold. Can I do it? Find out now as we recap week one of the 2016 Summer Olympics. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Drew Han Show. I am your host, Drew Han. You know that, right? Well, week one is in the books for Rio Olympics, and they are spectacular so far. Week one is always the best. It's always got the most excitement in it, you know, because it's fresh, it's new, and it's got usually the best sports in it, I think. By week two, it's like all that remaining remainder stuff that you have to get through, but they push it off till the second week because everyone's excited for the first week. <laughs> By that, I mean, like, swimming. I love swimming, but I dislike track and field, mostly the track part, the running. The field portions is fun. But anyway, so we got week two coming up, but this is about week one. Before we get into week one, I said I'm attempting to get a, a medal in the Olympics as well, and that's cooking, because I don't cook. And I'm trying to immerse myself in the Brazil, Rio, you know, life, so I can feel a little bit connected to the Olympics. Did this last time with the Winter Olympics, me and Deb made a Russian drink. I don't remember what it was anymore. Maybe white Russians. <laughs> But, and then we made some Russian foods and dips and stuff and, you know, hosted a little Olympic party. Unfortunately, we're not getting to host an Olympic party just yet here, but I wanted to get right back into the feel of, the, you know, the Olympics by doing that cooking thing again. So I found a drink. It was called a Caprihana. It's made in Brazil. It's quite popular down there. And I was, I was screaming to try this. So today I went to the store. It calls for one liquor ingredient and that's called Kashika. I hope I'm saying that right. And it's alcohol specific. It's just what it is. It's its own thing. You don't, it's not like, oh, it's a rum. It's a type of rum or, oh, it's a type of brandy. From my research, it's not. And so finding this has been a little bit tricky, especially in the Northwoods. It's not up here, basically. <laughs> and so finally I've been spending an hour in two different liquor departments, you know, two different stores trying to hope I could find it. But I knew I wasn't going to find it. And I didn't even know where to look in the liquor store. So I tried to do some research and find a substitute. Rum was the next substitute. And it, and the cop, the Kashika is based out of like some sugarcane juice or something like that. And so I found a sugarcane, uh, rum called Cane Run, Cane Run Rum. And it's from Trinidad, which is just a few countries away from Brazil. So I thought, sure, shoot, and that's got to be close enough, right? Eh? <laughs> so anyways, I uh, bought this stuff to make the drinks. And then I also was going to make some food. Now, I'm making Brazilian chicken recipe. I thought, I can do chicken. It's not that complicated. And this recipe is just a few spices thrown together and a few things for a sauce. And bam, you got you can call it Brazilian dish and way to go. That's my up my alley. Because like I said, I don't cook. So I'm hoping to meddle as an amateur in this cooking adventure. 
So I, I had to buy the alcoholic stuff, and then I also bought the the chicken stuff, which I had miraculously all the spices in in the spice. There's seven spices in this thing, and one was a far reach. I thought there's no way this is going to be in the cupboard, and I went deep, and there it was. I couldn't believe it. I don't cook, but it's been in the it's in the house from other people cooking. So I was like, woo woo! I didn't have to buy any spices, but I did need coconut milk and salsa for like a, a marinade or a sauce that it simmers in just before you eat it. Yeah, you're thinking salsa. Well, it says you can dice up tomatoes and onions and peppers and put them in there, but salsa works just the same. It said and I was going for easy, and I didn't feel like chopping or dicing anything today. And plus, it seemed like a good combination with the coconut milk, too runny, kind of, you know, help thicken it up, I thought. Anyways, I'm I'm rambling. First of all, got the ingredients, got home. I wanted to make this... Excuse me. Always burping the podcast. Always burping the podcast. It's tradition. I uh, wanted to make that drink, the, the Caprihana. So... I grab the booze, and the first thing you got to do is muddle. I I wanted to meddle in muddling because I never muddled really a drink. You know, I love mojitos, but I always drive, buy things pre-mixed, you know, or pre-made. So I'm like, yes, I want to muddle. You can't muddle unless you have the ingredient that calls for muddling, and that's limes. I t- I completely bu- blanked buying limes. So what do I got to do? A trip back to town to get limes. But that's okay. I'm trying to stay positive because I'm really excited to muddle. <laughs> So anyways, I get the limes, and I come back, and I do an excellent job of muddling. I think right off the bat, I probably got a silver in muddling today, folks. It was amazing. A great muddle job. I made two of these drinks, too. I kind of want to make another one, but the alcohol, that cane run rum, which was kind of cheap, gave me a headache. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It just certainly did. So, But I don't want to muddle again, so I think I might have another one. Discard the pain. Anyways, so I made the drink. I had two of them. Probably my mistake. I wasn't feeling too tipsy, but I was really eager to cook this chicken. And let me tell you, I mix all those seven seasonings together in a bowl, and then you pound the seasonings into the chicken, you know, and then you fry the chicken up. Did all that. It was perfect. It tasted great. You know what I mean? Couldn't have done anything really wrong there. Didn't overcook the chicken, and the seasonings didn't burn the chicken really or anything. It was perfect. I got done, and I ate it, and I I was telling people about it through text and whatever, and I'm like, yeah, it was good. It was nothing spectacular, but it was good, you know? Then it dawned on me after I was cleaning up. There sat the can of coconut milk and the salsa. I forgot to marinate or simmer the chicken and the sauce that you're supposed to make. A key ingredient to this Brazilian chicken, and I flaked out on this. I mean, Drew, come on. So I definitely barely squeaked by in qualifying for this Brazilian chicken recipe cooking round for the Olympics. But guess what, guys? It was just a qualifying round. You know, I got in. Tomorrow is the gold medal match. I'm going to try this again and see if I can I can conquer this because I want to get the gold in this. You know what I mean? Because there's still another week left and I'm supposed to host another Olympic shindig uh, next weekend. So I really want to be able to cook this chicken. So I have to meddle in it today. Hey? Anyways, so that is my um, Rio experience for you. That's the closest I'm going to get us to Rio is me cooking and drinking their recipes. <laughs> okay. We got to get into the amazing stories of week one from the actual Olympics. So there's so much. So much awesomeness that has come from week one. I'm just overexcited about it all. You can be the greatest. You can be the best. You can be the king. Come begging on your chest. You can be the hero. You can get the gold. Breaking all the records they thought never could be broke. You can throw your hands up. You can be the clock. You can move a mountain. You can break rocks. Do it for your country. Do it for your name. Cause it's gonna be a day Standing in the Hall of Fame 
All right, you just heard a cover of Hall of Fame by The Script. Now, that version is featured in the Omega commercials. Omega is the official timekeeper of the Olympics. So all those sports, and every time they clock a time, it's Omega that's tuned in for you. So I just thought that was a cool version of that song to help us get us into the emotion that is the amazing stories that come with the Olympics. So we have lots to talk about. I'm going to try to zip through this because, you know, lots to talk about. <laughs> Anyways... So, with that said, I'm going to kick it off with first some of the people that are inspiring throughout the Olympics, and then we'll talk about some of the sports and the venues and stuff like that going on a little bit later. I do want to start with this story, which was I just thought was so cool and amazing. With, with the USA dominance that can come in the Olympics, sometimes I feel bad for the underdogs or the other smaller countries. Well, rugby was finally featured again in the Olympics after, I think, you know, nearly a century of not being in it. And we, the USA sent the men's team to the Olympics, and they'd even got to feature an NFL player, Nate Ebner from the New England Patriots. I can't say New England for some reason. <laughs> New England Patriots was able to uh, get a leave of absence from the NFL so he could go play in the rugby, rugby sevens to be exact. And he uh, was a rugby player in college and stuff, and he was able to qualify for the USA team, and then now the team has advanced to the Olympics. So I just think that was really cool. Kudos to the NFL for allowing him to leave, especially when the NFL is very selfish, I feel sometimes. Don't get me wrong, I love the Packers and I love football, but right now it's about the Olympics. So I was just glad to see this guy be able to, Nate, to, to go to the Olympics and experience that, because that is an experience. I feel it from afar how much of an experience it can be. I can only imagine going and participating. So anyways, he got to go and participate. The USA men's team did not win. However, a cool part of the story of rugby that happened this this first week was that Fiji won the rugby, you know, rounds all the way to the gold, which is amazing, right? But Fiji had never medaled in the Olympics ever before, winter or summer. This is their first medal ever, and they medaled in rugby. That's pretty fucking fantastic, don't you think? And it's a small country. Sometimes it's even harder for those small countries to participate in team sports. You know what I mean? So for them to do this and make this accomplishment happen is just, I think, is a very cool story to come out of the Olympics from this week. One of the tops, for sure. Now, we have a wave of, you know, successes, but we also have some downfalls. Unfortunately, the Williams sisters, Venus and Serena, did not do so hot this week in the Olympics. They're always in tennis, and for the past three Olympics, they've won gold in the women's double matches. Well... They were pretty much out of the tournament right away in a very disappointing loss. I was kind of shocked to hear that. I really wanted to hear them go for the, the gold again. And I love the, the Williams sisters. And then right, Venus, she was one and done out of the singles matches, as was Serena not too long after that. So I was pretty shocked to see the Williams sisters not competing very far along in the Olympics this year. But you can't always be on the top of your game and... You know, sometimes someone else is going to be. So, unfortunately, the Williams sisters probably headed back to America. They have another tennis tournament coming up, which I'm sure they're going to be great in. So, that was a shame. But, on a more positive note, we have swimming that happened this week. And it was an amazing week of swimming. USA, of course, dominated the sport. They did really good this time in the Olympics. I mean, they haven't done this well since the 2000 Olympics in Sydney. And I believe they medaled in 16 of the events. Gold at that, I believe. I'm not sure on those stats, but... Of course, we have Michael Phelps in the running, in the running, I mean competing, by me competing, I mean winning gold. This man is so awesome to watch. And I'm going to tell you this, after he leaves the Olympics, it's not going to be the same. And we're not sure if he's done yet. He says this is his last game. Um, I kind of believe him, but he did, when he was interviewing Bob, by Bob Costas, he did slither in a line called saying, my potential last games, which that was early before the Olympics started. He has since, when he, I just saw his last swim, that was the 4x100 medley relay. It's a team event. 
And he was pretty, you know, convincing that he wasn't going to come back. Although his team seemed skeptical yet, too. But when he said my potential last games, I feel like that was a very movie moment where it was just probably missing the, the note for him to turn to the camera, wink an eye. And you know that sound that comes when, when in the media or in a movie scene, you know, when, when they wink their eye, there's a little ding, you know, ding! And there's a little flash of light that comes from their eye. And then it freeze frames and, and then you roll credits. <laughs> like, you know, they're setting us up to be like, yeah, that's the end of the movie, but... Maybe we're not done with this story just yet, but if we don't do it, it's okay. I feel like that's what Michael Phelps was doing to us. So, roll credits and pre-production of part six of his saga may be in place already. Who knows? Anyways, it's been a quite an interesting week for him. He has he had five events, and he won three. Let me go in order here. He won three golds, silvered in one, and then just golded in the last one. So, that's pretty fucking amazing for a man in his fifth Olympics. He is the all-time most decorated Olympian now, and I think one of the few people who's been to five Olympics, especially in swimming. That never happens, ever. I mean, so that's pretty awesome. He also had a three that silver that he won. That was kind of a, a shocker and an upset, I thought, because the guy who did win was from Singapore, and they don't really have any swimming medals. And I think the other, the funny part about that was it was a three-way tie for silver. And the other person that he tied for was an Australian swimmer, which they're known for being good swimmers. And then another guy who has been like a competitor and like kind of an ass to him throughout the Olympics, especially this year. They've had this on again, off again, trying to beat each other. Klaus is his last name or his first name. I'm not really sure, but it's from another country. Anyway, so all three of those guys were tied for silver and were on the podium. And they were all just kind of looking at the Singapore dude like, what the fuck just happened here? <laughs> I mean, Michael Phelps didn't even, you know, beat this guy. He just kind of came out of nowhere. So that was... That was a kind of a funny story in Michael Phelps's saga. So anyways, kudos to Michael Phelps for doing all that he has done in the Olympics. It won't be the same without him. I, I honestly believe that. Another kind of, uh, cool story that came from, that I noticed in the Olympics is, you know, we have Katie Ledecky. She's a really, she's like the female Michael Phelps now. And sometimes those people can overpower the rest of the swimmers. But I try to pay attention to the other ones. One I didn't hear of, though, was Maya Dorado. And I just have to mention her name because she won two gold medals, four medals altogether in these Olympics. But she is the spunkiest, Funnest little thing. I wish I was her friend. Like, she seems like a very normal, down-to-earth person. Now, sometimes when these people get interviewed, they either seem like sportsy people or, you know, snobby people or, you know, just amateur people. <laughs> like Katie Ledecky being interviewed. She just, you know, she just looks like she's being interviewed, and that's about it. Nothing exciting there. But this, and Michael Phelps, he's been around the cameras. So he knows how to say the right things to get us excited. And Ryan Lockheed, Lockheed just knows how to entertain when he's on camera. But this Maya Dorado was just this funny little spunky thing. After she won her last gold medal, she was interviewed by Ryan Seacrest on the Olympic late night show. And the thing I, I found so fascinating about her was that she was not phased by the camera whatsoever. And not by, you know, like she's used to cameras, but like this is not her life. And she doesn't care if she's on camera or not. She's just enjoying every moment, and they don't like, intimidate her. She knows what she's good at. She knows what she's not good at. She's a really great swimmer. She won the gold. She thinks it's awesome to meet Ryan Seacrest, but celebrities are not her world. You know what I mean? Like she's just in it and just doing her thing. And she ha she responds to questions in a lifelike form that just captivated me. She was just fun. I just love even her hair. She just threw it up in this high bun that looked comfortable, but not like stiff and like you know pulled too tight, like too nervous tight you know like she just looked relaxed and the th reason i'm saying this is because she said this was her one and only olympics now she's about 24 years old and she tried to qualify for the london once in 2012 failed qualified for rio here and you know medaled obviously as i've been explaining 
but she is not coming back for any more Olympics. People think she could she could do well, but you know she experienced what she wanted to experience. She's already graduated college. She's been accepted as a business analyst at a firm, I think, in Atlanta somewhere. She's already got a trajectory for her life. You know, she starts her new job in September. So you know, like she's hitting these markers and she's just going along for the ride, and it and it just exuberates to her. So I just thought this Maya Dorado was a very cool person, and I wish I would have known about her a little bit longer pre Olympics, so I could enjoy her personality more. But I just think it was cool for her. Kudos for her. I want to talk. I'm not going to leave swimming just yet. One more amazing story that came from the Olympics so far in week one. Well, there's a lot of amazing stories, but I can't hit them all. I will side note and say diving, men's diving for the Olympics. Awesome. We had a two-man team in springboard synchronizing that just teamed up before the Olympics. And usually these synchronized divers need to be together for months or years in advance to really get an idea of each other. But the American team managed to medal in silver. So kudos to them. I mean, these great stories are coming about. But the last one comes from swimming. Anthony Irvin. Another inspirational story. I want to meet this man. He's a 35-year-old American who swam for us in the Olympics. And again, not someone I heard of or was familiar with his name at all going into these Olympics. And then one of the last races that were happening yesterday and in the whole swimming events was the 50-meter freestyle, I believe it was. And it's just 50 meters, which you don't see. It doesn't get as much attention as other swim races do earlier in the week, the longer ones too, especially your 100 and your 200 meters. This 50-meter is just a dash. It's like a sprint from one end of the pool to the other. There's no pacing yourself. You just go. So when this Anthony Irvin comes in, guess what? 35 years old, he's the oldest American swimmer on our team, on the USA team, wins gold. Now that's impressive, right? gives you hope for Michael Phelps that he could do still gold medal races, you know, come four years from now when he'll be 35 at that point. But the impressive part about Anthony is that he won his first gold medal at 19 years old in the same 50-meter freestyle race in Sydney, Australia, which was when Michael Phelps first came to the scene. He did not medal, Michael did not medal in the Olympics in Sydney. But this Anthony guy did at 19, and then he took a break from it. He pretty much medaled and then retired did his thing, you know, he's since written an autobiography and has had, you know, the ups and downs that comes with life. He lost interest in swimming, but then in the past couple of years, he, he regained the interest, got back in the sport, and now medaled and medaled a gold medal again in the same event that he medaled in, you know, 15 years ago as a 19-year-old. That is unheard of, okay? When you're in this, to have longevity as a swimmer, a heart. To go out of the sport in swimming and come back into the sport and get a gold medal, that is unheard of until Anthony came along, of course. I mean, that is awesome. I, I, I just, kudos. It just gives me goosebumps when I was watching him win and then hearing the announcers tell a story. I'm like, I love this. This is so cool for him. I'm so glad he got this. I love to see, you know, these guys accomplish stuff, stuff like this and to never give up. Basically, that's what I'm saying. Never give up and you can always do it. It gives you hope no matter how old you are. You can still try to do something if you want to do it. So that was really cool see Anthony and the entire swim team. I mean, pretty much everybody on the swim team has medaled one way or another in the Olympics. So, I mean, that is awesome. I mean, kudos to them. We have a lot more coming up here in the podcast. I don't want to drag this out too long, but we got to talk about some of the other sports and what's going on around the Olympics. Maybe a little bit of talk about the venues, this, that, and the other. And then we have a few things just to shout out at the end of the podcast. It won't take long, so stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. We're back. 
As I said, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of sports in the Olympics, especially the summer. Tons and tons and tons of things going on. And I try to catch as much as I can, and I focus in on the things I like, and, you know, and I try to observe things that I'm not familiar with. And then there, of course, are things I just don't care for. <laughs> so I just want to start off by saying, soccer, boring. I mean, a lot of people, Americans, you know, complain that soccer is just boring. Nobody likes to watch it here in America. And I thought we were just being um, short-minded about the, the sport of soccer because we had football. Well... I sat down, and because soccer had started before the opening ceremonies for Olympics, so I thought, oh, I'll try to give this a try. Women's soccer was going on. Boring. I couldn't. I mean, it is boring. I am sorry. I know this is a worldwide sport that has more attention than football or any other sport and more fans. It was boring. I just, I can't sit them, watch them walk around, run around, kicking this ball, and being dramatic on the field. They, you know, use injuries a lot to delay the game. Worse than NFL, I think. And so I was like, I am sorry. I agree with the rest of America. Soccer is boring. And I'm sorry. I don't get it the rest of the world. I think they need to see football and really know what it's about. But <laughs> anyway, so that, along with, like I've mentioned it earlier in the podcast, track and field, I just don't get into. Mostly the track part. The running just doesn't excite me. You would think it would compared to, like, swimming Two, two sports, one's on land, one's in water, but they're each in their lane and they're each going as fast as they can to the next point. But swimming is just more exciting. There's a chance for a comeback, whereas when you watch running, it's pretty much one and done, it's said and done, it's not very exciting. You can't see, you know, a differential in the swimmers where you can, in, or in the runners where you can in swimming. You can see someone gaining or someone falling behind a lot easier, so it, it gets you more interactive in the sport i think viewer wise anyway so that's what i thought and then handball i tried to watch a little handball i learned today that we do not have a usa team for handball (laughs) we haven't sent one since the 1996 olympics when we only sent one then because we hosted that year i was watching handball and again not the most exciting sport to watch but i will say something that i thought was cool is that it's a no drama sport in some regards if you are calling for officials to come into the the field because you feel an injury has come on that is perfectly fine they'll come and but if officials are called to attend you and then you are capable to continue to play you do have to sit out for three plays which i thought was a really cool idea for the for for sports because a lot of times athletes fake injuries to delay the game and refocus their mind this way i thought it was great you know if you're gonna if you're gonna have officials on the field for an injury you have to sit out let the game continue and then you can come back in just to, you know, prove that you maybe are really injured or how committed are you to faking your injury right now to help this, the cause of the team. So I thought that was a really cool, interesting fact about handball that I learned um, and the fact that we don't have anyone else in it. The NFL should really adopt that rule. Like I said, otherwise not that great to watch. Men's gymnast, gymnastics, gymnastics happened. Well, the women's did too. I should say another amazing story. The women's team for USA gold medal. Awesome second for the second Olympics in a row. We that's awesome for us. So kudos to those girls. They worked hard and they looked like they were they were just on point. Men's gymnastics, on the other hand, failed again. I don't know when the last time is they got a gold medal for the Olympics, but they haven't looked good this year and they didn't look good the last time the Olympics summer Olympics happened. And I don't blame the results. I'll tell you what. Those men have egos. I want to root for them. I think what they do in that sport is amazing. The strength that they have, the endurance that they build for the the competitions that they compete in is just amazing. But their egos are so big. Every time they perform, perform, <laughs> compete, they would do, you know, a vault or high bar or, you know, pommel horse. And they'd come off and they'd get their score. And it wasn't even the best score. They just came off, oh, man, oh, man. They'd, they'd get jacked up with each other and just, you know, high five and act like they just had the best score in the world. When really they were nowhere close and nowhere even coming close to getting on the podium for Bam Gymnastics. So I'm like, 
they need to dial back their enthusiasm. Well, I don't want to say their enthusiasm, but their their egotistical enthusiasm portion of it to be, you know, like, okay, wait a minute, that was great, but I haven't won yet, so I shouldn't act like I won. But they kept acting like they won everything. So, you know, I think they were just giving psyching themselves up to, for failure, in my opinion. Don't. My theory is I don't get excited and sell something until it's happened. You know, so I like dating. I'm not going to tell people I'm in a relationship or like starting to date. When I start dating someone, I don't tell people until afterwards because if it doesn't work out after the few couple dates, I don't want to be like, oh, how'd your date go? And then I say, not so good. I'd rather come away with a positive story. You know what I mean? Or I don't like to tell people I'm interviewing for a job. If I'm going to interview for a job, I will do it. That way, if I fail, I don't have to report my failures. But if I win, I can be like, hey, guess what? I got a new job. Same with the gymnastics boys. If you're not, don't, you know, accept winning until you've actually won <laughs> your scores are not magnificent until you actually have a magnificent score so you may have did great you may feel like you did something good but uh hello three other teams just did the same thing better so obviously you have something to work on so i was disappointed in the men's gymnastic gymnastics a little bit with that said they have their individual rounds coming up on the individual apparatuses so maybe they'll do a little bit better there on a more positive note again Carrie Walsh Jennings back in the Olympics. Beach volleyball. I love me some beach volleyball. I think it's awesome. All the parts of it except for the men's team who or they have to wear shirts. I wish they didn't have to wear shirts. Why are they wearing shirts? <laughs> Those women wear bikinis out there. The men should be shirtless. Come on now. Speaking of which, I'm recording this podcast and men's ball, beach volleyball is coming up soon. So I'm going to have to wrap up soon. Carrie Walsh Jennings, she won, if you may recall, three Olympics with Misty May Trainer. Gold medal all the way undefeated all three Olympics. That's a pretty amazing feat as well, right? Well, Misty May retired, and uh, Carrie Walsh got a new partner, April Ross, and they are just, you know, on point again this year. It's not over with yet, but they're just awesome to watch. I think it's a fun sport. It's just a positive sport. When you watch the camaraderie between the athletes, so these are, two, you know, two teams of two competing, but and it's hard, it's rough, it's gruff. They want both want to win, and it can be emotional, but they at the end of the day, they're like, they see each other on the circuit and they support each other, which is just something I didn't see when I was watching tennis per se. Very cold sport to one another. They don't want to interact. They don't, they don't respect each other's different, um, perspective and how they compete. You know, they just hit the ball and then they get off the court. Where beach volleyball, they meet, they hug, they say hi after the end of the game, they shake their hands. It's just, I like the camaraderie, so I think that's really cool. And the enthusiasm of the fans and the excitement. Beach volleyball is just fun, so I think that's really cool. So if you get a chance to watch that, Get, watch it. It's just cool. On the other end of the spectrum, we need a close-up shop on basketball. Uh, <laughs> men's basketball and women's in the Olympics is ridiculous. I mean, it's it's entertaining. I think other countries have really good teams, but the we have we have won the gold medal as, as pretty much as entire time this sport has existed in the Olympics, which is since the conception of the Olympics. I don't know why we continue with that. Basketball is a very USA dominant sport. It's like putting the NFL in, in the Olympics. You know, other countries have their own version of the NFL, but no way would they ever be able to compete in that sport with the American teams. So I don't know why the Olympics continue to have basketball in the Olympics. It's just, it just baffles me. And it's, it's not fun to watch when I know that it's just a bunch of NBA players who are going to beat down on other countries. So with that said, how about field hockey? <laughs> Um, I don't have a lot to say about field hockey except for I caught a little bit of it and I need to educate myself on it because apparently the surface is wet. Like the ground that they play on is like damp. I see their hockey sticks, like their field hockey sticks, hit the ball and like water shimmer. So I'm not sure about this sport at all. But what I will say is they have a damn big court for this little itty bitty ball. I mean, picture <laughs> a wiffle ball used on the size of a soccer court, not a football court 
or a basketball court, but a soccer. Soccer field is huge. So field hockey is played pretty much on the size of a soccer field <laughs> with a wiffle ball. And then you hit it with sticks. I, I, <laughs> I just laugh at the idea of this sport. And they're running around with those little wiffle balls. I hit it around the ground with sticks. I mean, that's right up there with the ridiculousness of handball. <laughs> handball is like a floor version of basketball. Instead of, instead of a hoop, there's a net like hockey that they throw the ball into. <laughs> Some of these sports just make me laugh. But I mean, kudos that there's all different versions and there's people that want to compete in them all. So anyways, check out field hockey or teach me a thing or two on it. Speaking of other sports, volleyball, men's volleyball, hot to watch. I'll tell you that. Yummy, yummy. I caught a picture with David Lee. He's one of the volleyball players. Um, for the men's team and Simone Biles before the Olympics as they were heading to Rio. Back to back shot. Simone is like four eight and David Lee is probably like six five. That picture was pretty fucking rocking. Um and then I'm like, who's this David Lee guy? He is hot. So I started following volleyball a lot more closely this year because of that. And it's just an amazing sport to watch when you sit down and watch it. These guys are phenomenal the way they bump set and spike, if you know what I mean. So Ooh giggity. No. <laughs> Anyways, so they're still competing. They're doing their thing. They're doing awesome. So way to go, Team USA, all around. With that said, quickly, USA dominates in a lot of sports, and I often feel bad for other countries, <laughs> and we continuously dominate. So I wish we'd have a bad streak somewhere in there, right? Except we don't dominate in all sports. Actually, uh, one sport we haven't dominated in a very long time is fencing, men's fencing. We haven't won that sport since like 1904 or 1924. Did the last get a gold medal in that of any kind, I believe. We were up for it, and they aired it on CNBC, because that's the networks of NBC, which is really cool. You can catch random sports on news networks. <laughs> so I caught it. It was a very quick thing. I thought maybe a fencing match would last, you know, a good 20 minutes. I swear it was like 15. Okay, that's nearly 20, right? <laughs> maybe it was more like it was more like a 10-minute match. I thought it'd be like a half-hour match, but nope. And watching fencing is interesting, though. Like, they can tell... With sensors, when they get, you know, jabbed. No, I didn't know that was such a thing. That was cool. But we, like I said, we don't flourish in all sports. And a couple other ones. Another one was handball, but that's because we don't send uh, any teams for that sport, unfortunately. I, where's our handball team? I mean, come on. <laughs> Another sport, we table tennis. I don't think we'll ever come close to table tennis. That's a very high Asian sport. So I'm sure they always dominate that. We also, uh, badminton. Again, another one. It's a, that, badminton is the fastest sport in the Olympics. It's not the fastest sport in the world. I understand there's one other one. I'm not sure what it is. But that is a sport I don't see America getting into. I loved badminton when I was in school. In high school, we tournament, we did tournaments in gym. I was, I ranked up there, man. Did I, did I almost go all the way? I was a silver medalist, if you will. Apparently, we haven't, um, ever medaled in cross country skiing. Which is kind of shocking. Cause we, I know, for being in Wisconsin, people like to cross country ski around here all the time. So. Where are our, our, our athletes? Furthermore, we haven't medaled in the biathlon. Another sport I can't pronounce. Biathlon. <laughs> which involves running and shooting. And that's in the winter, too, I believe. And then well, field hockey, I guess we haven't medaled in either. But I think the women's team, I think, are still contending for the USA. So that's cool. We might get one this year. Ski jumping, another sport that America's never medaled in. Come on, guys. Really? Uh, let me read this. The United States has one Olympic medal in ski jumping, and that came all the way back in the first Olympics in 1924. Ali, it took 50 years for Anders Hagen to get that medal. Our Norwegian historian discovered a scoring error in 1974 that elevated Hagen to the bronze. Oh, pfft. so he wasn't even medaled at the event. Curling is another sport that the Americans have not medaled in. Wow. That's uh, an exciting sport. Paris figure skating. I know we're up there on figure skating. I'm kind of surprised by that. Rhythmic gymnastics. This is something I really hope I can catch. 
and the Olympics and, and the Olympics. Now there's athletic gymnastics. I think that's what it's called. I'm not really sure, but that's where the typical stuff that we watch on the balance beam and the high bar and the parallel bars and, you know, the rings and all the stuff that we traditionally watch. Rhythmic gymnastic is that dancey stuff. Not to put that down, but that's how you describe it. They use hula hoops and ribbons. So <laughs> Hula hoops and ribbons in the gymnastics or in the Olympics. There's trampolining in the Olympics too. That's part of the gymnastics as well. We've never meddled in that. I hope I can catch some of that. The modern pentathlon, we haven't meddled in that apparently. The luge, we haven't meddled in that. Um, and we haven't meddled, I don't believe, in pairs ice dancing, but we did the last Olympics. So this article I'm reading is a little old. So we don't dominate in all the sports, thankfully, because I just don't think that'd be fair to the world, right? But I would like to see us dominate in a few of those. I think we could by now. Okay, we have more ahead. I want to uh, close up shop with a few closing sentiments. Not the closing ceremonies just yet, but week one is in the books, and this podcast almost is too. We'll be right back. Okay, now before we go, I have a few closing thoughts. Just things I've observed while watching the Olympics so far. And if you still catch this podcast while the Olympics are airing, I, I encourage you to keep an eye out for some of this stuff because it's quite funny. Not all of it's funny, but some of it's funny. Firstly, slow motion is out of control this year. After every play, they throw it in slow motion. Runners in slow motion is not a beautiful sight. Their faces jiggling about, and they, their skin's pulled back from the running. They look like skeletons. It's just not good. We don't need every slow motion moment in life, okay? They're not, ple- they're not, they're just not good, pleasing things to see. And I don't know why, but every sport, every angle they can come up with, three ways to Sunday, they are slow motioning it. So, <laughs> don't worry, if you missed that play, they will replay it in slow motion with their facial expressions front and center. Yeah, you don't really actually see the play so much over again. You just see the reaction to them winning in slow motion. The problem is they slow it down too much. I, I know slow motion is fun to watch, you know, especially in reactions, but I don't need to slow down so that I can see every frame of their cheek gyrate, you know? Let's speed it up just a titch in slow motion. 
Uh, another funny thing I, I observed was the green, all the colors in the Olympics. So, first of all, like in track and field, this is the first ever in the Olympics that they have a blue running track. That's never been done in the Olympics before, which I think is cool. And then, like, the gymnastics arena, their mats and the floors and everything are all green. Traditionally, you know, mats are blue or red at the Olympics or at any venue, for that matter. You don't see green mats, a bright green mat at that. So their entire performing area or comp competing area on the apparatus is, is all green. That really threw me, but really, really made me realize how small that gymnastics arena really is. Like, all those apparatuses are really right next to each other. And I, when you watch it on TV, sometimes it look, it used to look so huge, but this green has really narrowed it in. Or else Rio was on a tight budget there and they couldn't afford a bigger arena. I don't know, but <laughs> I know a lot of things have been said about Rio, but honestly, that's why I haven't been in mainstream media since Mile of Music happened and the first weekend of the Olympics, which were coincide happened back to back. Music, I was focused on listening for Mile of Music artists from that event, so I didn't listen to radio. And I haven't gone back to radio because I don't want to hear normal music just yet. I don't want to be back in the real world. And it's fun being away from mainstream media. Like, listen, I don't have to listen to people's bitching about the Olympics. Oh, it's always on. Or, oh, can you believe they did this? Or can you believe they said that? Like, people just, some people have a negative connotation. Some have positive. But I don't want to hear what anyone else is saying. I, it's something I love and I immerse myself in. And I want to watch NBC's perspective. I guess I don't want to catch ABC since they don't have the rights to it. You know, showing more of the negative aspects of it. Or trying to even report it. It doesn't look as good because they don't have the ins to be there. So they're kind of reporting from the sidelines and it's cheap. I want to watch NBC. They're doing a great job. Also going on in the Olympics is Tara and Johnny. Tara Lipinski and Johnny Weir. Now if you recall, they were splash hit at the Winter Olympics. And they're back kind of doing um, material pieces, if you will. Fashion and fun and culture and that sort of thing. And they just started their own podcast. So if you get a chance to listen to it, I... I I recommend you tune in. They are podcasting from Rio, so that is awesome right now. And it's just started, you know, with the Olympics starting. They're a hoot. I love them. Tara and Johnny all the way. So there's been a pleasure seeing them at the Olympics as well. Ter er, Johnny went fishing with Billy Bush. He's from Access Hollywood and Today Show. And <laughs> Shiny Weir showed up in a pink, like, feathered jacket thing as they're fishing on some fish wharf, dwarf, wharf, what do you call it? And Johnny Weir actually caught a fish, so that was pretty cool. Lastly, as I close this podcast, we always look to the next episode, right? <laughs> well, when you close the Olympics, you look to the next one. They pass the torch or the, the symbolism on to the next place it's going to be, and the next Olympics will be in South Korea. The problem is, I have I need to practice this, because I'll have to save this a lot once the Winter Olympics do come around in 2018. The town that they are in is really hard to say. It's, oh, God, make me say it. Pong Chang, Fung Chang, Fung Chang, South Korea. I don't even think I'm saying that right. And if I try to Google it, I'll try to Google it here. What happens if I ask Google to say it for me? What is the temperature in Feng Chang? Oh, it didn't even work. Can you believe that? What is the temperature in Feng Chang, South Korea? I can't do it. Uh, yesterday I was trying to get it. It did it. Pyeongchang Chang temperature. It's 84 degrees in Feng Chang gun right now. Yeah, I got it just as, you know, that finally, Pyeongchang, 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 you really have to, it's a, you have to announce it, N-E-O-N-G, Pyeongchang, Pyeongchang, anyways, I can't say it, so whenever I refer to the Winter Olympics, I just call it Feng Shui 2018, <laughs> and I haven't really said it out loud like that until just now, so that cracks me up, so anyways, we have Feng Shui 2018 to look forward to.
I don't know how that's going to go, considering it's in South Korea. Ugh. Oh, I shouldn't be so negative, right? Come on. South Korea could really p- put on a great Olympics. So that's coming up. And then, of course, the next summer ones will be coming in Tokyo. So that's pretty cool as well. Anyways, I have jabbered on a lot about the Olympics. And I probably will be my only Olympic episode that I'm going to do by the time week two is over with. It won't be as exciting anymore. And I really don't care for week two as much as I care for week one. So... <laughs> With that said, I hope you've enjoyed this Olympic recap. Tune in if you can. It's a really great event. I've loved every minute of it, and I will continue to love every minute of it. It just brings the world together and and watches people push themselves to the max in a positive way. So I think it's really, really awesome. Thanks again for listening to The Drew Hunt Show. Don't forget to go to the Facebook page and like the page. You can get all the updates on the show. You can search me out on the Internet. The Drew Hunt Show. I'm everywhere and anywhere. Trust me. Any kind of social media apparatus you want to find me on. Ooh, see how I threw an apparatus one more time. Uh-huh. Anyways, until next time, I'm Drew. Smooches.